Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 190, sneaking up toward 200. I can't believe it. Uh, this week, folks, uh, I really can't believe it took us 190 episodes to bring in Brian J. Howard. He is the executive director of the United County History Center. It was a great, great pleasure talking to him. Uh, hope to have him back soon on. Also this week, we're going to talk about a variety of local stories. Uh, we're going to listen to the betting odds for the government shutdown, uh, local law enforcement's uh, discussion about legalization of marijuana, uh, Hawaii raising their cigarette ages, a little bit of history lessons, uh, dealers not being able to sell their cars, jobs for Netflix, and a little bit of a movie review at the end for you folks. All that and more on this week's episode. Uh, like always, we are very, very happy to have you here. Happy birthday, Andy Sullivan and Carmen Famolano. Oh, yes. Apologizing to your yeah, brother. I'm sorry. Andy Sullivan, uh, happy birthday. Uh, I'm sorry that we're holding your brother up from enjoying your birthday with you. I'm it's bo- all right. You know, it's not, it's it's never a hard end time for things like this. You just go over and, you know, just have some dinner. <laughs> we're back, folks. We're back. It's the Uticast episode 190. Oh, my gosh. I know. 190. Uh, I can't believe it took me 190 episodes to bring in uh, Brian J. Howard, who's the executive director of the United County History Center. Uh, I feel like this is an interview. I like I sh- <laughs> yeah, I feel like this was an interview I should have done so long ago, right? And um, and I told him during the interview, like right off the bat, I think a lot of it is because I've never gone. I've never actually been to the United been. County History Center, and I told him that. And I sort of was like, I was embarrassed because I wanted to come before I had you on the show. And then it felt like a self-defeating cycle. I was like, no, I'm just going to bring you on. And hopefully that will force me to be like, yes, now I have a, a more of a reason to go. And one of the things he talked about is he sort of sees uh, sees the United County Historical Center as the best kept secret in Utica. And he's really dedicated this year to like making that no longer a thing. Getting the word out there. It's, it's like a, it's a museum. People don't really think about it in that way. When yeah. you think about like what museums, what places can I visit. You don't even see it as an option anywhere either. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think, you know, and I think that's something he, he we talked about a lot about nice. what he'd like to do going forward uh, and sort of making that place a more vibrant and a more open part of the community in terms of letting people in and seeing what they mm-hmm. have. Uh, really nice conversation with him though. So I had a great time talking to him. Heather, welcome back from the <laughs> North Country. I have to say, this is the first day our new Sunday taping schedule has seemed to be a problem for all three people involved. <laughs> uh, and I will say, um, I don't know, so far, what do you think about taping on Sunday as opposed to Monday, since we're here now? You prefer the Monday tape schedule? Yeah. yeah. The Monday yeah, is better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know it isn't optimal. If we'll, we'll figure something out if that's the case. I will say, after this week, I have a final this week, tomorrow, for one of my Monday night classes. Mm-hmm. And then I'm off for two weeks from that class on Monday. So if we decide we want to go back to Monday for the next two weeks after this. Yeah, book it. Yeah. Book it. All right, so book we're back it. to yeah. So we're back to side. No weird backhanded conversation yeah. we had. Book it. So we're booking it. Back to Mondays for the next two weeks after this. Uh, not that it, Although I've been releasing them at pretty much the same pace. None of this matters to you folks. No. <laughs> this is all just for us. None of this means anything. Sidebarring. No context. This um, has zero impact on the way that you consume the content. But thanks for listening. Uh, thank you for that. Here we are. Uh, Kevin, uh, we don't need to 
should talk about it too much if you don't want to. Uh, you, you're pretty bandaged oh, up on your hand man. over there. Yes. Oh. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, I've horribly cut my thumb. Oof. Uh, it's a horrible, gory, gruesome wound. Yeah. He told uh, lots of blood. <laughs> oh, God. I was polishing a glass, um, polishing a highball glass. And, you know, as you go, you're twisting mm. around. You've got the cloth in each hand. And the top of the glass, I don't know if there was a crack or something that I didn't see what it was, but the glass shattered uh, as I was twisting my hand around and uh, gouged out and sliced right across the top of my thumb. Did you feel stitches? Uh, No. I I mean, I didn't didn't go anywhere. I just came home. I didn't, you know, I didn't go to work. You should have seen the lady at Walgreens, though, because I burst in. I go to Walgreens last night because I was supposed to be closing at the bar. Yep. And it was about, it was like 9.57 and I'm Googling the hours as I'm coming up Genesee Street. I've got this thing wrapped in like what I had in a kitchen med kit and I've got a rubber glove over it. So I come in the lady's like, oh, you've got 60 seconds, 60 seconds to close. And I'm like, ma'am, give me two minutes. And I run and I come up with like all this gauze and tape and band-aids and neosporin and super glue and gloves. And I just plop it down while I've got like dried blood on my hand and she just looks at me and she goes, having a tough night? I go, yes, (laughs) ma'am. Thank you. Thank you for staying open. So shout out to Walgreens in South Utica. Um, you're keeping it going for everybody and all your needs. That gave me anxiety thinking about it. Uh. Like just the, the concept of slice your finger on a glass. It I, it makes me wonder if I'm somehow desensitized. Because everybody I've talked to has reacted just like you guys are yeah, right now. I don't like it. Horrible and no. uncomfortable. Well, do you you should have you been there when I was changing the dressing last night. I know. I should not have. Set up a whole operation. <laughs> so do you remember, uh, Heather, this is a good story. Kevin, do you remember, you were there when I sliced my thumb open when we were kids. Do you remember this when you took me to the hospital? I had a party at my house, Heather. My house on Valentine Bray when I was a kid. Okay. And it was late in the evening, and as a young man, I was somewhat inebriated. Let's say I'd had a few too many drinks, right? A few too many adult beverages. And I decided I was going to make a DiGiorno pizza that was in the freezer. So, take the pizza out of the freezer, put it in the oven, ba-ba-ba, comes out 20 minutes later. However. Looking good, smelling good. I try and cut through the pizza, and I go, huh, that's weird. Pizza's not cutting. I lift it up, and I left the cardboard circle on the bottom of the pizza. A normal person would have said, ah, it sucks. Yes, I got to throw this pizza out, right? (laughs) I decided that the best course of action was to put the pizza on its side and take a butcher knife and try and cut the cardboard away away from the pizza. During which time I sliced the inside of my thumb uh, all the way almost open. It was like like flopped over. And because I was... Uh, young and inebriated and stupid, I like went up to the bathroom stairs and I'm like holding my thumb and I'm squeezing it and there's like blood shooting out the end of my thumb into the toilet. Uh, like Kev goes up the stairs and Kev was a bit more sober than everybody else at this point in time and he's like, you all right, buddy? I'm like, I think I need to go to the hospital. I'm like, squ-. he's like, you're squeezing the blood out of your hand. Like, first off, he's like, first off, like calm down. First, first off, like, that's what I'm saying. Like when somebody gets, if you or somebody you know or love, God forbid, ever gets injured, but it happens throughout the course of life, especially, I think you're outdoors all the time. You know, we're all around things. This will happen with these injuries. The first thing you got to do is calm down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got to calm down. Because <laughs> like, you're doing, I remember, you were choking the blood out like you were milking yourself through your thumb. I think it's just a scary reaction. And it's just you like. You don't bleed ever. You don't all right. really bleed. All right. Um, no, it's true. And I think that that's like, the, I think for most people, the first initial like thing is to panic. Right? Yeah, just like, shock like, yeah, shock and panic are very stitches, real. What's going on? Uh, the worst, I think the worst. You ever have any bad? Not any, really. Yeah. The, there's the other one I only remember is like when I was a kid once, I stepped on a, a electrical prong 
like I, I got out of the, oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, remember I, I stepped that, on it. I came out of bed and I stepped on it and it was like sticking up on the floor and it went mm-hmm. in my foot. No. And uh, yeah, and it wasn't that. so bad. I got infected. That was the problem. I had oh. to go to the hospital like later that night because I was like getting yeah. like woozy or my head was mm-hmm. killing. I was like, there's a like, big purple like. Yeah, that's bad. Like, yeah, it was not good. Yeah. Not good. That was not a great moment. Great way to start the show. Though, it was infected about. by the end of the night? Because I did it in the morning. I went to school. I like went to work. It was like nine o'clock at night. There was like this big purple, like gross. That's like you could bad. see because what happened was like the the prong went in my foot and then turned. Right, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so it like yeah, bent yeah, yeah. in my. So there was basically it wasn't a cut, just a big open right. hole. Do you know what right. I mean? And it was not. It was not chill. And because yeah. I was like at that age where it's like, it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah just walk it off. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like it right. seems fine. It's just a cut, right? Yeah, I'm and definitely. I mean, I'm at this point with my thumb. I'm on guard. Where um, we'll be keeping an eye on it. I That's not, what I'm worried about. I that. haven't gone. I mean, I haven't gone to the doctor yet, and I followed you know pretty good uh, wound cleaning protocols and stuff. But like, I'm going to be keeping an eye on it because the way the cut is, it's not really stitchable. Mm. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not like. Yeah. But also maybe. Yeah. It is. I didn't get stitches for mine when I went. Keep though. an eye on it for the next yeah. couple of days. See what goes on. Okay. Uh, although, uh, just to follow up to this story when I cut my thumb up, because this is also important, Kev took me to the emergency room, and then we sat in the emergency room for, like, an hour and a half, and by then, like, my thumb is still, like, like it's not bleeding anymore, yeah, I'm just like, well, uh, I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting out there like an idiot, like, just holding my fucking, like, dead thumb, you know what I mean, like, here it is, all right. Uh, my thumb is fine, folks. In case Wait, you're did wondering. Wait, did they get stitches or anything? No, so they, I didn't want the time? stitches. They okay. went in there and they like uh, they put the little stupid okay. uh, things butterflies. on butterflies. Butterflies, yeah. Um, so I I have to say the reason we're recording this a little bit later than I planned is I is my grandfather's 97th birthday today. Oh. Uh, yeah, bonus salute to Carmen. Uh, great guy. Um, one of these days I'll I'll air the footage I have of uh, him, uh, the private interview I did with him that's really funny. Uh, one of these days I'll put that on there when the time is right. Uh, but we went up there today for the 97th birthday, and, you know, I'm not going to throw any one of my mem- family members under the bus. Here's what I got. It's 227. I'm sitting down, I'm getting ready to produce the podcast. I'm like, Heather's coming over a little bit after four. got to get the show ready. My sister calls me, it's 227. She's like, we're here now. <laughs> and I'm like, where's here? What are you talking about? And like, we're grandpas right now. Come on up, it's his birthday. I was like, oh my God, like this is the, this is all the, so I went scrambling up there to go see him and I was there for maybe 20, 25 minutes tops before I came back down here. But what kind of happened was I got to experience like my family and my grandfather's like 97th birthday, like it was a sitcom. Like it was a, because t- it was just like 10 minute little intervals with all my family in ways that I would have done it had I been there longer. Like it was like 10 minutes of me sitting with my niece and my sisters and my aunt like, eating almond paste cookies and <laughs> laughing at Grandpa. And then it was five minutes of me, like, teasing my nieces and nephews. And then five minutes of me and my cousin John and my cousin Dean talking about Robert Loja and the movie Scarface. Just, like, in the corner. And then it was over with. I was like, this would have been a good 22-minute episode of The Familaros, the television show. Grandpa Carmen's birthday. <laughs> so it was a weird, sort of weird. condensed family. It was all the things that would have happened had I been there for like an hour and a half anyway. Like all of those things would have happened. Just on a very, very short scale. Uh, yeah, so that's where we are. And uh, thankfully our interview with Brian is, is very long today because I don't have a ton of news. And some of the stuff that we're talking about today, it all is very loosely tied together. So we'll just go through it the best we can. Uh, I don't have any, really any politics stuff today, to be honest. Uh, but I will say 
Did you know that there is actually betting odds right now on whether or not the government will shut down this week? So you can oh, bet. I think that's going to happen this week. Well, we, they haven't. I feel like there hasn't been as much talk about it this time. There's in no terms threats of like, going on. I've never seen any threats in the last few days. Well, I did read something on like, the Washington Post this morning that says the talks have stalled, but like I feel like I hear one or the other every day when I turn on the news now. Uh, however, the betting odds uh, are highly in favor of, no, there will not be a government shutdown. But if you want to bet on the fact that there will be a government shutdown, it's 14 to 1 odds. Those are pretty good. So if you want to uh, you know, double down and make some money off the fact that we might be having a shutdown... Fourteen to one odds is pretty good. Fourteen to one is nice. Take it if you can get it. <laughs> you take it if you can get fourteen Take to it one. If you can get it. Uh, yeah. Cool. Not to throw twenty five down on just in case. Just in case. I might as well get something. Out Should of we it. be a betting podcast? You want to start oh, being a betting podcast? Yeah. I don't really I don't, do any betting. I don't have enough money, but if we had a podcast about, betting, I think it would be great like... if we had a betting podcast, but never actually bet. <laughs> <laughs> I just talk, talk about, about the things you would bet. Yeah, yeah. statistics. Well, this seems like smart money. I don't know. <laughs> not my money, certainly. So I, I didn't I couldn't come up with a name for these four stories or a segment for four of them. They're all kind of loosely intertwined. When did we ever come up with a name? I don't know. I try and come up with like oh, the tech corner oh, tech or like you know what I mean? I try and like group the stories in some We're area. every like three months. Yeah, once in a while. Uh, so here's a couple stories. This is from the local news. Uh, local law enforcement earlier this week had a big meeting uh, opposing legalized recreational marijuana. Did you see that? It was in the OD and UTR was covering that. Yeah. Uh and what was considered an unprecedented showing a plethora of area law enforcement personnel uh, organized a joint news conference Thursday morning to speak out against proposed legalization of recreational marijuana in New York State. Now, I think that, like, they're, with anything else, and I'm, I'm not knocking anyone uh, for being cautious, because I do think that when they do, if they do decide to legalize marijuana, when they do, it should be done in, like, a real manner, right? They should be regulated the way that, like, cigarettes or alcohol is. It shouldn't just be like, here's weed for everyone, throwing <laughs> weed into the streets, right? But I couldn't help but, like, read all the articles about this and watch it and just feel like it was old men yelling at the sky. That's all I could feel like when I... That's all I could see when I was watching it. I was like, hmm. No, it's people yelling at their revenue. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a great They're point, They're yelling too, at their yeah. revenue because they want to... Because then if they can't pop people for, you know, small amounts of marijuana and driving on different marijuana... Then they have to actually work. ...and find a mechanism by right. which to put certain types of people mm-hmm. into jail for nonviolent marijuana offenses... Mm-hmm. That's a lot of revenue that comes out of a lot of these little, like, backwater, upstate towns and things that go on. Uh, it's disappointing to see, and it's disingenuous to be like, oh, if it happens, it's going to be the worst. I mean, look at Colorado. Look at California. Look at everybody. Like, get with it. I don't. You're right. It is old men just yelling. Well, I thought it was interesting that the social media response, at least on Facebook and Twitter from what I saw, was mostly like, I don't think that this, you guys know yeah, what you're talking about. Yeah, because the tide has shifted. Yeah. The, the, the tide has shifted. So you can either be ahead of it and get out in front of it, or you can be late to the table. Yeah. But you're going to have to come to that table one way or another, so you might as well lean into it. I did see people kind of, like, bagging on, like, UTR and and the Observer Dispatch for, like, talking about this. And I'm like, well, you can't, it's not their fault for covering an event that happened. Like, that's what the point of the event was. Like, it's not, I thought that everyone was pretty, like, straightforward with the way they covered it. I, I thought it was weird that people were hitting them on that. That was an odd social no, media no, thing. No, people on the internet uh, are generally, generally the worst, yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, of course there were. Of course there's, there's people for every plethora of things, no matter what you could say. Especially when it gets to like local news, Facebook comment <laughs> sections. Yeah, it's true. Those often, are the best, though. I'm often right. quoted as saying that Facebook is a sewer, but boy, oh boy, is that the bottom, <laughs> bottom of the septic point really? of the sewer that is Facebook and social media. Which is funny because I think most people say that Twitter seems to be the bottom. Twitter, uh, Twitter's only the bottom if you take the world too seriously. I don't believe that anybody on Twitter is real. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> I can say like 40 percent bots. Twitter's just a wild smashing of like words and colors. Twitter. No. 
No, um, you know why Twitter's not as much of a problem? Because there's way less, like, 62-year-old self-employed stay-at-home moms. <laughs> there's way less, like, dudes out on disability mad at nothing yeah. in particular. There's way less horrible old folks. Yes, that's true. That's true. Uh I feel like, too, with Twitter, it's hard for older folks to jump on. Like, my mom tried to get a Twitter account, and then she, like, went through the process of it. She's like, it's just too I much. Think it's I think Facebook was, well. was enough for them. Yeah, it's enough. Like, well, it's was, I mean, with, you take an old person, you try to put them on, you might as well make her try to be a blacksmith. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. she's not gonna, she's not there. Uh, also this week, so again, it, again, I didn't know how to connect this. Uh, Hawaii this week, did you guys see that? Now, Hawaii, the state of Hawaii has always been sort of at the forefront of, like, anti-smoking policy yeah. in the United States. They were the first state to raise the minimum to 21. Over the next, <laughs> over the next five years, uh, there's uh, legislation on board to ban uh, cigarettes over the next five years by raising the age requirement to 30 in 2020, 40 in 2021, 50 in 2022 and 100 in 2024. This is definitely a story that's only for looks, right? Like they're not actually going to pass a 100 year age limit, do you think? Well, it's not. Know. You just but you just I mean you gloss over the point right there. The 100 year age limit got you to read the fact yeah, that yeah. they're going to move it to 30. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. That's the stuff. Mm-hmm. And then by 2024 we'll call it 100 cuz that's silly, but you know. Mm. That's, so that's just a way to get pressed for the policy. My only thought when I read a lot of this was, like, the next line about it, though, is would exempt electronic cigarettes, cigars, and smokeless tobacco. So is it really just taking a shot at, like, tobacco, a big tobacco? It's a step. Do you know what I mean? mean? You like, can't hit a grand slam every time you walk up to the plate. It's a step. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're down by five runs, it doesn't mean you don't want to score two just because it's mm-hmm. not six. Uh, also this week, New York City Health Department banned CBD from food served in city bars and restaurants, which is something I, like, I remember when, like, CBD was a thing that all of a sudden everyone was talking about for three weeks. Now it's people, everywhere. It's putting it everywhere. Everybody's talking about getting it. Mm-hmm. I'm, parents. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised that this happened. I'm surprised it took this long. Yeah. Um, because it almost reminds me when I was living in New York when, like, the vape pens were really becoming a thing, right? I would walk into a bar in New York City in 2010, whatever it was. I'm trying to think of what years I was there. Uh, and people would just be open. And I know people's vape in bars now, but people were like out, like groups of people vaping in bars. Vape lords. Vape lords, yeah. The vape lords were out there just in bars. Yeah. And and back then there was a period, it was like a six-month period where it was legal to, to smoke and vape in, in these bars and restaurants. And law enforcement had no real idea like what the difference between a vape pen with like cigarette like liquid and one with like hash oil in it was so it was a really wild time in new york just like it seemed kind of like the wild wild west and i feel like that sort of got where the cbd thing was like everywhere you look now it's like cbd gummy oh, cbd cookies everywhere. like there sh- I, I assume that there must be some level of regulation to this right like yeah. Do you think, I don't know, you no. think there should be, right? Let me ask you a question. When you go to somewhere, if you go to, like, Utica Coffee, and you see a display near the thing that says, like, Susie's Homemade Rice Cookie Pies, <laughs> right? And no. they got and they got them for sale thing. next to the register, and, like, somebody's just making it their home. Level of regulation you think those have? That's a, no, that's a I, good point. I never really thought about it. I, you know I, mean? I, like, I, I won't eat Susie's cookies. I know. I'll, you, sh- you should eat the hell out of Susie's cookies <laughs> and stop being so afraid. Susie's probably fine. I mean, I don't think she poisoned the cookies. <laughs> I don't know what this looks like. 
All right, so that was, those are my three stories that were tangentially kind of related, sort of half about smoking. And, Stop trying to oversell the related. Yeah, just right. hit them. Here are my stories. <laughs> and then uh, just because we talked about it last week and it ended, we made predictions for the Super Bowl last oh, week. Oh, dude, that was the worst. Was that only last I week? even watched it. was last it. week, yeah. Yeah, it was dumb. Uh, we, no, no, it was bad. So Kevin and I both picked the Patriots to win, but none of us were close with the score. All of us were wrong. Lowest yeah. scoring Super Bowl since Super Bowl seven, I want to say. Can, can you guys, maybe you guys can help me figure something out. Um, that I was wrestling with after the Super Bowl. Sure. Why is everybody so mad about Maroon 5? I don't understand it. What's everybody upset about? I mean, um, listen, I'm not... Maroon 5 wasn't, you know, they're not going to blow your doors off. Nothing crazy. You know, they played a bunch of songs. People knew. It was... There were some things to laugh at. Like, when he popped the tarp, he took his shirt off. That was funny. That's pretty it's good. like, you know, and it's, all, it's, it's like, it's memeable, and it's easy to laugh at. People are like... Bad. I think people are mad at every show like that, though. Every yeah, year they I complain. No, I, think, I don't matter okay, who is I there. think it's a combination, though, right? Because there was so much controversy this year with, like, the Colin Kaepernick thing and, like, the Rihanna turning the him Colin down. Kaepernick was last year, too. Yeah, but this was the year that they were asking people to do the Super Bowl. They were turning it down, being like, no, justice yeah, for Kaepernick, yeah, yeah. right? So it did sort of seem like, like, Maroon 5 sort of got unfairly maligned into, like, that Three Doors Down territory. Where it's yeah. like, these are the guys who played the Trump inauguration, right? They were the band who said yes, right? Maroon 5 was the band who said yes, right? I didn't think right? of it that way. So, like, yeah. and, and I, and to a weird extent, I'm not trying to, to justify, I don't really care about Maroon 5, but I can understand where a rock and roll band, where a big band like that, probably somewhere was like, yo, it would be super cool to play the Super Bowl halftime show. Like, it would sure. mean something to us as a band it's to be fun, considered. Be mm-hmm. And it's I sort a of, really fun yeah, time. I actually sort of feel bad for them in a weird way that this opportunity, if it was something like they really wanted to do, they kind of got overshadowed by all the media narrative around it and it couldn't just be like, here's a band who played a halftime show. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. Just, I even to, not even to make it like a big, you know, like breathless giant like social issue what does mm-hmm. it all mean but like <laughs> these guys like these guys are just out here they went they played they had a nice time like leave them alone i feel bad that they're getting their balls broke over like yeah they went out did their goofy thing they sell a lot of records a lot of people like their songs they should have done the spongebob they should have committed to the spongebob thing the they, SpongeBob you know, that's, audience. I would, that's the biggest mistake they made because the spongebob stands on the internet it's a very very vocal set of people and you can't say we're gonna do this thing then do just a touch yeah and then just immediately left turn and can i say i i think it was weird that no one was as excited to see travis scott doing sicko mode on the super bowl what a weird sentence to say and people were just like nah it's like the worst SpongeBob. <laughs> you mean like it just really it shows how messed up our world is right now, <laughs> our country is right now. No, I mean it. I it yeah. Sorry. It was it was a fine Super Bowl show. Here's a couple things I thought were interesting about the Super Bowl. Uh, nothing about the game, right? And I thought it was weird that even like people who like root for the Patriots didn't seem even at this party all that excited when the Patriots won. It didn't feel. Like, anyone really cared one way or the other. And I don't know if it was a symptom of the game being so low scoring, because most people see, felt like the Patriots are going to win coming in because of all the talk. I don't know. It just it was a lackluster Super Bowl. The only other thing was there was the queso gate with the lady from Fox News who put up her disgusting queso dip, and then people on the internet were making fun of her for it. That, that was pretty oh, funny. I see that. I that one. Uh, and then the Bud Light ad where they were making fun of Miller Light and Coors Light for using corn, corn syrup, syrup, and then Bud Light got crushed by the corn. The corn, big corn, came after him. All over the internet and social media. I mean, to be fit, like in a in a race to the bottom of all companies and people that I don't care about there, 
the the corn lobby. <laughs> the corn lobby. The corn lobby's gotta go. Like the corn syrup's not good. <laughs> no, you shouldn't it's bad. be messing with it. And, you're, and everybody's messing with more corn syrup probably than they think they are than we know we are. But yeah, corn syrup's bad. Mm. But like Bud Light's bad. <laughs> it's not good. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's our Super Bowl recap. That's all Ugh. I remember. Uh, the Grammys are over. The Grammys are tonight. Do you want to make any wild predictions about the Grammys since no one will be able to call us on it? Mm-hmm. I forgot the Grammys were tonight until like an hour I did, ago. Yeah, like right before I got here. <laughs> uh, I assume Taylor Swift will win something. There's my prediction for the Grammys. She, I don't even know. If she Join Sam uh, immediately following this for his four-hour <laughs> Grammy, his secret four-hour Grammy breakdown podcast episode, <laughs> where he'll give you live developing odds on everything, including the know. technical categories that aren't even on TV. It's true. Uh, all right, so let's go to this week's interview. Uh, I had a really nice conversation with Brian J. Howard. Like I said, um, I love talking history. I love talking local history. We had a really nice conversation, just a, a broad conversation about. Uh, how he came to, he's one of those interesting people where he has a history degree but didn't want to teach. So we had a really nice conversation about people who were like into history but never wanted to teach. And sort of the, there's a lot of stuff we get into. It's very clearly two guys who love history getting into weird nerdy rabbit holes. So I hope you folks enjoyed as much as I did. Uh, Brian J. Howard, Knight County History Center. We'll be back in just a moment. suddenly have uh, grad school classes on uh-huh. Monday night now. Oh, yeah. Uh, when we used to record. So everything is now pushed a couple of days forward. Yeah. Well, it's it, it's nice because this time of the year we're open Tuesday through Saturday. So oh, this, so this is, is just another work day for me. <laughs> another work day. That's fine. Yeah. I'm glad that I'm uh, not imposing on you and I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, Brian J. Howard, you're the executive director of the uh, Oneida County Historical Center. I always want to call it Historical Society, but uh, the... <laughs> yes, uh, Oneida County History Center is the, yeah. is the current name. Okay, so, so see, even yeah. that, I, I screwed mm-hmm. it up on that, too. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I, I see you guys all the time. You have a nice active uh, Twitter at uh, sure OCHC. Uh, so, mm-hmm. is it OCHC Tweets? Tweets, yeah. You got it. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. I really enjoy you guys' work on there, and I want to thank mm-hmm. you for coming down again. Now, sure. I have a dirty secret to discuss mm-hmm. with you. Okay. I am uh, a, I have a bachelor's degree in history. My, mm-hmm. uh, my sort of background was Latin American revolutions. Okay. Um, and even though... Uh, I did spend a lot of time in the New York State Historical Society when I was living in New York. Mm-hmm. I've actually never been to the United County uh, History Center. It well, makes join, me... join the club. <laughs> well, I'm embarrassed because <laughs> for the longest time I wanted to, to bring somebody from the, the center to the show. But I kept saying, like, well, I, wanna, yeah. I don't want to bring somebody on if I haven't gone down yet. But I've been so, like caught up with everything else in life but I was like it's the time yeah. so well well you know we'll, we'll talk more about how long I've, I've been there but mm. um, yeah I can tell you pretty much every week if not every week every other week mm. we've got somebody that walks in and they say wow you know I, I've walked past this place for 30 years or I grew up here and I've never been and yeah. you know I, I hear it all the time and uh, you know I, uh, I I've described this as the best kept secret in Utica oh, yeah. and I've also described my goal 
uh, mm. one of my main goals as not no longer being the best kept secret in Utica. <laughs> you know, I'm getting, getting kind of old after a while. You know. <laughs> and you've been here since, uh, we're going to get into that soon, but you've been here since September of 2007? Correct. All right, all right, very cool. Now, I have some questions about your background before we get into that so people can get to know you a little bit. I did a little bit of research as a, uh, as a, mm. as a history major myself. Yep. Uh, so correct me if I'm wrong on any of okay. these things, and then sure. you can embarrass me in front sure. of our listeners. <laughs> um, okay. You are initially from New Berlin, New York? New Berlin. New Berlin. Is that your okay. first correction? All right. Pronunciation. <laughs> New Berlin. You, yeah. you can always tell somebody that isn't familiar with New Berlin because they call it New Berlin. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yep. Down awesome. in Shenango County. Uh, and the, the most recent census poll I found there was 2,682 was the population. That was in 2010. Sounds about right. Um, and I always ask people, because I tend to get people from both sides of the spectrum uh, in terms of where they grew up, in terms of city size, how do you feel like growing up in sort of a smaller, uh, more rural community affected you growing up? Did you like that sort of uh, open, like, like small population yeah. sort of closeness? Well, you know, really when you have no other frame of reference, yeah. uh, it's, it's hard to compare growing up somewhere else. I, I was right. actually born outside of Chicago, Illinois. Oh, wow, really? But, uh, yeah. But, so my research is already wrong twice. Yeah, well, well, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I moved, I moved into Berlin where my father had grown up when I was like two. So, you know, right, yeah. um, growing up in a small town, I think you're, uh, in, in, in one way, you're inherently limited in your uh, life experience unless your family makes it a priority to get you out and to see right. the world. And, uh, you know, my, my parents did that to an extent, mm -hmm. and I, I certainly appreciate that. Um, so on the, um, on the other hand, it is uh, inherently, uh, I, I think, probably safe for any more secure environment in, in which yeah. to, uh, to be raised. Mm -hmm. So I came out of there, um, you know, probably in retrospect, probably a, a pretty naive about a lot of uh, things. You know, like when I went to college, uh, you know, I met people from all around New York State, really for the first time. I mean, I, you know, I, I'd met people before, but I never really interacted with them. That's actually, that seems to be pretty common with a lot of my friends in this area. I, uh, I grew up going to Proctor High School, which yeah. was a massive high school sure. to go to. You know, it's yeah. easy to yeah. get lost in the crowd. Mm -hmm. um, but when I went to, you know, uh, to a larger college, it didn't feel like a huge shift in dynamics yeah. from one to the other. Whereas a lot of my buddies who went to like Notre Dame or, or oh, Woodsboro yeah. went to a big giant school, like, whoa, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm sort of blown away yeah. by the world around yeah. me. You well, know? I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't step too far uh, mm. away from my, my upbringing. Go, and, you know, I went to SUNY Potsdam, which was a, a small school. Yes, it's um, um, 92 class. I did a little bit of research. Yeah, that too. yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, uh, I got to ask, uh, just before we get to college, cause I have some questions about that. Did you, uh, were you a only child? Did you have brothers and sisters growing I up? I have or? one older brother. He's older two, brother. Yep, two and a half years older than I am. Oh, so that's so, pretty nice yeah. to have somebody close. My sisters yeah. were like way older than me, so I feel oh, yeah. like I sort of missed out on the opportunity to mm -hmm. like uh, have like a close relationship like right. that growing up. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, just, just like uh, I think a lot of siblings, you know, we, we pretty much uh, spent our, our teenage years in mutual disdain of one another. <laughs> That's but, important. Uh, you know, uh, and, and, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're not particularly close today, but mm. we, we do enjoy each other's mm. company when we mm. get together. I think that's that's pretty normal. Um, so I also got to ask, you stayed uh, in, I'm going to say it again, New, New Berlin. Yes. New Berlin. Okay. New Berlin. <laughs> New Berlin. Got it. So you stayed in New Berlin, uh, New Berlin, New Berlin, New <laughs> Berlin. Um, through high school, and then what were you sort of, what, did you have any idea what you wanted to do in high school going into college? What was sort of your plan going to Potsdam? Yeah, I... I, uh, I I consider myself very lucky, and uh, when I look at, at friends and acquaintances, and, and now my own kids um, uh, in in particular, uh, I kind of always knew what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, not necessarily I want to work in a museum. Sure, uh, you know, I I had had a passion for history. Uh, 
since before I can remember. Uh, and I've been very fortunate to be able to parlay that into, um, uh, into a, a career that does not involve uh, teaching, which is, you know, if you have a degree in history, quite often that's, that's where uh, you're going to end up. Yeah, I, but, uh, as a guy who's yeah. in grad school for adolescent education, yep. yeah. I think, but, and it's, well, I just want to say real quick yeah. before I forget, because I think it's really, it's something I heard a lot as a history major when I got a degree in history was, oh, congratulations, here's a degree that you're never going to work yeah. in. Like nine out of ten history majors mm-hmm. uh, don't work in a history field once they yeah. get their degree. Yeah. And when I wasn't sure I wanted to go into teaching, when I was sort mm-hmm. of on the outs, I ended up sort of, I tried to get into the Tenement Museum in New York City. Uh-huh. Sure. And that's where I was there for about three weeks before they couldn't keep me on. Yeah. But it's interesting, you see sort of this you see there is sort of that connection between education and the people who are in that history field anyway. There is oh, yeah. sort of a, a weird sort of sphere of influence that crosses over. Yeah, and I, I, I think you can you can probably expand that to yeah. a lot of humanities degrees. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, if, if you get a degree in the humanities, mm-hmm. uh, teaching seems to be uh, the one of the most, if not the most common option. Uh, but I, I didn't want to do that, and I was very fortunate yeah. after, um, uh, you know, I majored in history in college, uh, did, did fairly well, was very... Fortunate to have uh, been able to have uh, gotten involved in a graduate level museum studies program, mm-hmm. and uh, from there, I've spent uh, pretty much twenty of the last twenty five years working mm-hmm. in the museum field in one capacity or another. Interesting. Now, I uh, I'm very curious. So, executive director, you've been there since two thousand and seven. Mm-hmm. What sort of in between? You know, your class in ninety two from Potsdam. Yeah. Two thousand seven takes you to uh, the to the to the history mm-hmm. center. Was there, what was sort of that path in between? Did you go between other museums? Were you sure. looking for like different, was this your, this certainly wasn't your first stop between, no, <laughs> right? No, like, yeah, no. Yeah. And, and, and geez, I wasn't even expecting to be here this long. You know, yeah. I've, I've, I've been, it'll be 12 years in September and, and man, I was thinking, oh great, you know, I'm back in the museum field and you know, this, you know, maybe three to five years at a county historical society and then I'll move on and here I am 12 years later still. Why did you, what sort of made you stay? I sort of wonder, like, did it, did it feel uh, right? Was the, uh, the, the, the timing was right yeah. in my life. Um, we, uh, you know, we, we had bought a house. I live in Sherburne down uh-huh. in Shenango County, <laughs> uh, but, um, I, I worked, uh, what began as my, my family's, uh, mm-hmm. lumber business. I worked there for a couple of years after I left my previous museum job. Mm-hmm. Uh, that business was then sold and I worked for the, the purchaser for a couple of years, um, Curtis Lumber mm-hmm. uh, down sure. in down in Waterville, um, and I um, uh, I just wanted to get back into the museum field. I, I enjoyed it, and um, having worked in the corporate world mm-hmm. for five years, um, I, yeah, um, I I came to appreciate it much more than I had the first ten years I was out of out of school. So, yeah, yeah, and so um, you know the, the the kids were little, but they were they were in school. We had bought a house a few years before before I took the job. Uh, my wife works for NYCM uh, Insurance, which is a local business. So it it just made sense for me to make the long drive up here. And you were married since '95. I don't mean to. Yeah, picture. yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. I, do, I you, just... do you have one of my photo albums here? From, <laughs> Facebook's from, good yeah. for like. Yeah. This, but, uh, <laughs> no, the reason I bring it up is because you know I as a guy who grew up with parents who are divorced. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I, I appreciate anyone who stays together for an extended <laughs> period of time yeah. in this modern society. Oh, right? yeah. Because yeah. it's important, I think. You know, it did for a long time. I'm in my early 30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it did sort of make me kind of gun-shy about, like, 
relationships and marriage sort of seeing it around me a lot but I think it's also important that my mom is still very supportive of me and like the family she kept our sort of family close together and it's nice to have everyone there together as a unit well that 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 was the other thing growing up in in New Berlin and and with um, Mm. uh, parents that uh, that stayed together for 50 oh geez 50 plus years years. Uh, my mother since since deceased but we had a a stable home environment Mm. and uh that I, I think accounts for a lot of the reason why I, I tend to move toward stability. And, I, uh, you know, well, I work in education now, and mm-hmm. I work with a lot of kids, and I work with a program where it's mostly ninth uh, through twelfth graders who are in low-income housing, mostly refugee kids, sure. mostly kids who don't always have that stability. And I see yeah. what sort of happens for a kid mm-hmm. who has to put his brothers and sisters on the school bus, and thus oh, he's yeah. late every single day, and yeah. he's wearing the same clothes, and it's it's mm-hmm. a it's, it's unfair and it's a shame that we don't always shed yeah. enough light on the struggles these kids go through. I agree. And and growing up the way that I did, I never appreciated it until mm. I became an adult myself yeah. and saw, in, in retrospect, just how incredibly fortunate yeah. uh, my, my upbringing mm. was. Uh, I got to ask, uh, so executive director, you have a really good um, bio post on your Facebook about what your job is down there. Uh-huh. And it's just, uh, I do the things to keep the lights do, on. Do stuff to keep the lights <laughs> on, yeah. What is sort of the day-to-day for your, uh, as your role as executive director? Okay. Uh, well, uh, the executive director is, I mean, you know, that that's kind of, a, you know, in some ways it's a pretentious title <laughs> because, uh, you know, ab- about two hours ago yeah. I was out uh, pushing the snow thrower on, <laughs> gen- literally on Genesee Street clearing our, our walks before our program this afternoon. Um, the, the term caretaker, I, I think, mm-hmm. is, yeah. uh, is in many ways uh, more descriptive of the yeah. type of work that I do. Um, yes, I am the executive director. I set the tone for you know, what the History Center does, you know, try and make sure that our activities mm-hmm. are mission-specific. And, uh, uh, but at the end of the day, it's doing stuff that, that keeps the lights on, mm-hmm. uh, making sure that we have a uh, functioning, uh, effective, enjoyable membership program, mm-hmm. uh, ensuring that our annual fundraisers are properly administered, that we gain the proper support from the community, uh, establishing partnerships so that people will make an investment in the Oneida County History Center. Um, we are not a government entity. Uh, that, that's another misconception. Is, is that, Interesting. Uh, I was going to say, is it yeah. non- non-profit? Or is oh, it, yeah. 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 Well, we, yeah, we're a non-profit, yeah. uh, but we have not received a, a penny of operating support really? from uh, from the city, from Oneida County, um, uh, nothing in uh, in years. Well, Thursday, so, March 21st, you guys have the telethon. Is that something that's that's yearly? Or? That's our annual telethon. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I've been and, trying and, to tell me and you guys we should do a telethon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> speaking of partnerships, yeah. uh, the, the relationship that we've had with WUTR is just oh, sure. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, let's see, I, I started, we had done one telethon before yeah. I started. And uh, the, the crew up at WUTR, of course, they've changed over the years, but the thing that's been consistent has been their commitment to making sure that, that we have a, a good, solid broadcast and that um, the, the broadcast is reflective of mm. what we're trying to do in the community, preserving and promoting the area's history and heritage. Mm. So. I think that's a great point, too, because, you know, especially in, I, I say this all the time, and people who listen to the show are going to be like, oh, he's going to say it again. But like, <laughs> I really do think that living in a city, in an area like this, there's so much going on because there's so many people doing interesting things and exciting things. 
yet it's not so big where you can't just reach out and speak to people and talk to people and learn about what's going on. And it's a really nice synergy between those two things. It, it didn't take me long to realize after I'd started here that Utica was really uh, less of a city and more of a big, small town. It really does. And I, I don't say that in, in a denigrating mm -hmm. way. I mean, it's, it's, it's great that, you know, you can... You know, look in the news and, and see people yeah. that you know, and 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 you can you can go to all of these events, and and if you don't run into somebody that you you know that either you know or you, you know more often that you've worked with, um, you know it's uh, it's it's rare. Now I have a question for you. I'm not trying to put uh, put the test on you or anything. Yeah. I'm not trying to spring yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, but I when I was in college and I did my um, I did my degree was in Latin American uh, Revolution, 20th century Latin American yeah. Revolution. So I had to write my thesis on something in that field. Sure. But before that, mm -hmm. I had really wanted to write my thesis about uh, the impact of the Erie Canal on uh, upstate New York and how it developed the urban society, right? Sure. And one of the books that I fell across when I was doing my research was this book. It's called Cradle of the Middle Class by Mary Ryan. Uh -huh. I wonder if you've ever run across it in your time. I'm sure you probably have. I don't know if you ever... <laughs> Um, I have never seen this book before. It's a fascinating <laughs> yeah. book, and, I've, and, uh, and I couldn't help but and once I, f I found out I was going to be talking to you guys, uh, you, yeah. I really I couldn't help but sort of uh, bring it up because I was just curious if it's something yeah. you'd ever run across. No, I I, I recognize the the cover photo. That's that's mm -hmm. one uh, of a print that we have in our sure. our collection at the at the History Center. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I, I'm not familiar with this book. It's uh, I might have to borrow it from. Oh, interesting! Point, so. Very good. Yeah. Well, I'll talk yeah. more about it later on. Yeah. I'll put it on the side. Yeah, because it's uh, it's got some really. I was actually showing my friend Justin, who works in Maine, Utica. He's the head yeah. of Maine, Utica, and we were. Okay. He's another guy who's very intrigued by Oneida County history and Utica history. Sure. There's a lot of stuff in here about mm -hmm. uh, about male and female roles and about like the family role in upstate mm -hmm. New York. That yeah. Even now, sort of like wow. That, Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And and talk about changing dynamics with mm. with the new populations coming in here. Oh, but yeah. yeah, I mean some you know some themes are are consistent. So the so, the social history is is I find that fascinating. It shocks my students at school when I tell them that Utica once had like a hundred thousand plus sure. people for oh, for yeah. over twenty <laughs> twenty oh, yeah. years. Yeah. That that always yeah. blows their mind. And yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that it's. It's easy sometimes for people to think that uh, people from outside cultures don't want to know about the places they're from, but these kids are always yeah. so fascinated when I tell them the history of where they live and what's sure. around them, and that that does make me feel good as someone who who hopes yeah. to be a teacher sooner than later. Yeah. And 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 that's that's why the history center is mm -hmm. there. It's it's to inform people, not 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 just to to bring nostalgia to people who are mm -hmm. already have a, a love affair with this yeah. with this region, but also to inform people that do want to learn more about mm -hmm. this region, where suddenly they find themselves living and, and trying to trying to get ahead in, in, in society and what feels weird to me about it too is a guy and you uh, we'll get into this in a second too did you uh, you were doing adjunct uh, American history at SUNY Poly for a ironically time? yes yeah, I got after. into the history field <laughs> yeah. because I didn't want to teach and I ended up teaching for seven years up at SUNY <laughs> uh, I was curious about that because I'm actually yeah. doing my I have to do a European history course right now mm -hmm. that I'm in the middle it's like a 500 level uh, modern uh, chaos and order in modern Europe. Sure. And what I what I'm realizing as I get away from American history into mm -hmm. European history yeah. is how much murkier it is to navigate European oh, yeah. history. There's something very intriguing about American history mm -hmm. in the encapsulation of it, and especially yeah. living here in New York, which has such ties to such the beginnings, like the early colonies. Yeah. There's such a rich. Yeah. Like close well, history that feels like in reach of us yeah. still. Well, you know, even though we have fifty states, we yeah. still have this this common this common heritage. Yeah, and 
you know, the yes, there were settlements on the West Coast, mm-hmm. but you know, you can tell the the story of the United States by and large by what happened going all the way back to the the Massachusetts Bay Colony yeah. and and mm-hmm. the Jamestown settlement in the 1600s, and and from there you can tell uh, in a, a very linear fashion the development of what became the United States. Mm-hmm. So I mean, in, in Europe, I mean, holy cow! I mean, we, you know, we've had one political system since. Yeah since the 1770s uh, you know we've had one one government uh, you know uh, one one common history uh, over there you know it's I, I hate to be like one of these kind of guys I remember a couple weeks ago I had a kid in my class and we were reading about he was reading about like the fall of the Roman Empire he was like yeah. coming up with all these he's like what I need to come up with the reasons so I'm pulling up like all these reasons on the smart board mm-hmm. and I was like do any of these sound familiar to you he's like mm-hmm. Yes, I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yep, yep. we're starting to. It's it's interesting because I I think one of the uh, one of the reasons why telling American the history of the United States is also uh, uh, by comparison probably easier or less murky. Yeah, you know, we've only been around for a hundred and two hundred or two hundred and fifty years. Uh, you're talking about you know the Holy Roman Empire. You're talking about you know the. the Come and gone yeah, before us. Literally thousands of years of, of history to cover over in Europe and in the Middle East. And I think it's a little disconcerting that we, as modern Americans, sort of don't think it's going to happen. Uh, we we yeah. have this feeling like, ah, we no, we got past that. We yeah. have technology and we're civilized yeah. now. It's different now. It, I don't know. You know, it is. no, I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> think it is. And, it is. Really. You know that. You know that. Some, something that I've realized the older I've got, I'm. I'm uh, I'm 48. I'll be, be sure. 49 this year. Um, this whole concept of American exceptionalism, uh, which uh, was, uh, you know, at least my experience 35, 40 years ago in in middle school and high school history classes that was drilled into my mind, you know, American exceptionalism, manifest destiny, you know, all of this, the the creation of this, uh, Mm. this American mythology that we are somehow, uh, you know, the chosen people or the special, Yeah. Um, yeah, seeing that tested as it is being tested today, I think is very disconcerting for, yeah. uh, you know, probably a large part of the population that has bought into this myth of, mm-hmm. of you know, us being the chosen yeah. uh, society, the, the chosen nation. Well, you know, we're just, we're just passing through history. Oh yeah, and uh, the the same themes that that you know I see, and I'm not you know I'm not portending the fall of the United oh, States. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, if you look back over um, uh, over the the arc of mm-hmm. human existence, and you see how societies can rise yeah. and prosper and and maintain that for for a long time, um, but then you can also see the plateau and you can see the decline, and and you know it's it's not inevitable. But if we don't understand how that came to pass, like in, uh, you know, in, in uh, medieval Europe yeah. and in, in ancient Greece and Rome, well, damn, you know, uh, that's that's the lesson that we can get from history, and we better be paying attention. I'd like to think that people are asking questions now in ways that we didn't in the past. And one of the things I always think about in terms of our current political system, and, and I'm, you know, I I am a registered Democrat since I was like 18, right? Sure. I went to when I came out of. Uh, I think it was economics. Our, yeah. our, our high school mm-hmm. economics teacher made us like yeah. fill out the thing, and of you know, course. we all wanted to be independents when we were eighteen. We we're like, well, why yeah. do we have to pick one of these or the other? Like young and idealistic. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I have to give my my teacher credit at the time. She said, "Look," and I knew she was a Republican. Yeah. And she didn't. She couldn't. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to say anything to us about it. She's like, "Look, if you don't pick Democrat or Republican, mm-hmm. you can't vote in the primaries. Yeah. So if you pick independent, that's fine. But just be aware, you won't be able to like have a say in the yeah. primaries. And that was actually. I appreciated that at 18, and I still appreciate mm-hmm. that you told me that now. Yeah. 
Um, but I, you know, I do think when I look at what's out there now and the government now that's there and there's so many people, I think it's strange to think that one person, one government, one party can represent somebody who lives in liberal uh, northern Maine and someone who lives in uh, Republican uh, southwestern Arizona. These people sure. just fundamentally have different lifestyles, different yeah. beliefs. Everything is different about them. The climate, the culture. Yeah. And it's it's sort of strange to me to think that one party or one person is going to be yeah. able to be like, no, I can... I, every single person yeah. will be into it, right? And, like, and, I, and that's and that's why we've been having yeah. this debate, uh, you know, almost since the founding of the republic. Yeah, uh, George Washington uh, did not believe oh, in yeah. political parties. Exactly. You know, he, uh, but you know, it, his his um, uh, you know his uh, uh, the the people that followed him, mm. you know, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay, here's, almost immediately. Here's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> strong belief in a strong federal government, and and and, and you know, Jefferson is is quite the opposite. And, mm. You know, we've been having Having this debate, uh, you know, since since the 1790s, um, I don't anticipate that it's going to be changing anytime soon. I am deeply disturbed by the polarization that I'm seeing in a, in uh, uh, American political discourse today. It's uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, you know, I I wasn't around for 1968, but I uh, you know I, I see I see the fractious nature of what's happening in this society, and it frightens me. Uh, I, yeah, I think too. There's a weird I have this struggle because I'm I'm 33. I just yeah. turned 33 in January, mm-hmm. and I am sort of torn between this idea that, wow, there's politics seems crazier and more vicious than I've ever seen it in my life. But I also think to myself, was I not really paying attention to politics in this way more than 10 years ago? Right? Yeah. Like when I when I first started voting, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't. Was I not paying as much attention to politics? Is it just yeah. more around us now, yeah. or is it really worse than it? Yeah. than it has been. I don't know sometimes. Yeah. I, I get the impression from looking back, and just, just look back at, at, mm-hmm. uh, at Utica's political scene in yeah. the, late, uh, the late 19th century. Yeah. I mean, you had some major players mm-hmm. on both sides of the aisle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Horatio Seymour and Roscoe Conkling, who were brothers-in-law. You know? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I, I, I think uh, the conflict uh, has been consistent throughout history. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The challenge that we have today is the conflict is not something that you will read about in papers or discuss mm-hmm. in the local tavern. The conflict is something that you see every time you open up your news feed, yeah. uh, thanks to uh, the the growth of, of social media. It's like the, the digital internet. tavern now. Yeah, yeah, and uh, <laughs> and we are and we as a nation are struggling to um, uh, to come to terms with this. Uh, all access to yeah. all information, to all points of view, uh, th- this democratization of, of um, not only politics, but, but of society in general. Well, I wonder, you're, you said you're, you're 40-ish, late 40-ish. 40s. Yeah. So I remember specifically, I, I, t- I was 15 when I got my first cell phone thrown at me, and that was like uh-huh. an, a brick cell yeah. phone. So I yeah. do sort of, me and a lot of the guys, my buddy Kevin does the podcast with me, mm-hmm. we're sort of in the same age, and yeah. I sort of think to myself, I might be the last generation or group of people who remembers the pre-digital, like calling people on a phone and having yeah. to remember cell, like phone yeah. numbers in my head, uh-huh. and like I had a TV for a while that you had to do this too, and yeah. like you know. Yeah. So, but I do think that everyone now going forward is sort of this digital native in a way yeah. that they're born with this around them. They don't have any concept of what was before it, and it does yeah. make me sort of nervous when I see my kids today who are technically brilliant. They're great with computers. But if yeah. you tell them to stand in front of somebody and ask them what they're all about, they can they can yeah. barely 
yeah, function. It, it's you know? it's very difficult yeah. uh, for for a lot of. I don't, I don't want to paint all uh, oh, yeah. all of the, the the younger generation with with this broad brush, mm. but I, I think it's very difficult for a lot of uh, kids who have grown up with uh, a screen literally oh, in yeah. their hand or or at you know within their reach uh, to interact mm. in a you know what we would consider a traditional uh, you know face to face yeah. fashion. You know something as simple as as eye contact. You know uh, it's it's. It's not something that they uh, were, you know, re- really it. had to learn. It's, it um, is an argument that teachers have today. Mm-hmm. Do we have to have a sort of a, a separate like class now for life skills, like learn yeah. how to uh, talk to people, have like a speech yeah. and debate class, have some yeah. sort of uh, communications or like general basic knowledge yeah. skills, and it seems yep. sad, but like it would be beneficial to a lot of these well. Kids. To be honest, I think we've always needed it, even before <laughs> yeah, the internet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I chuckled when you said you you know you felt like you were the last uh, generation yeah. to to remember you know having to call you know use yeah, a yeah. use a corded phone and, and all that. You know, I used to say that to my students yeah. at up at SUNY, and you know I you know I remember the days where we did have three. Channels before yeah. cable television, before the Atari Twenty Six Hundred comes oh, out yeah. in well, you know, nineteen eighty 1980 or nineteen eighty one. You know, I, I, you know, I remember that. We used to go to the park, but you know, it, it's the the risk that you run when when you talk about, and, and this is one of the, the lessons of history, I think. Yeah. The risk that you run when you talk about the past, which is already fixed and can be assessed right. and analyzed, is looking at it through rose-colored glasses. You know? And that's a great point, too, because I talk about this all the time with my niece and nephew. When I was 12, 13, mm-hmm. we would be out in the neighborhood running yeah. around. There were no yeah. cell phones. If my parents wanted to get a hold of me, my mom yeah. would have to go in the, on the front yard and yell my name down yeah. the street and say, come back, it's dinner yep. time. But, and we had that level of freedom because yeah. there felt like safety. It feels like in yeah. time, I think, and I always go back to like 9-11 as this moment where yeah. the world had this big shifting moment where everyone felt like it was less safe. And I don't know if necessarily yeah. that was the only thing that happened, but that seems like a good that, cultural marker. That was the trigger. Where yeah. it does seem like now you don't want your kids just roaming around in the streets yeah. doing kid stuff. And it felt, it feels much more restrictive since then in terms yeah. of how far we're willing to let people have safety and freedom and space yeah, yeah. yeah. well the, the the flip side though is is that access to every scrap of information that humanity has compiled in the entire history of humanity yeah. at your fingertips and yes that can be you know there are some negative consequences mm-hmm. but man you know this is just an absolutely incredible age in yeah. which we live mm-hmm. and you know you, you can't have you can't have it all <laughs> and, um, yeah I, I, I hear a lot of people uh, when they come into the history centers like, oh, I remember this, or I remember that, you know, and, and there's that, that uh, you know, kind of that notion, oh, why can't it be like this? You know, why, what, you know, Good things ones. were so much better. Well, you things, can't go back. Yeah, things weren't always <laughs> yeah. better. You know, some it's things true. today are really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, well, I think if you, know, you ask most people, like, if you, if you go back to, you know, some other time, you had a time machine, you could go yeah. back. Most people, if you look back at almost any time period, there was probably something unsavory. Oh, or geez, probably, yeah. We, you know, oh, yeah. We all, even you look back at like the seventies, right? Like it mm-hmm. seems like an uh, interesting time. It's a time <laughs> of social unevil and like oh, yeah. you know, people. Well, are, yeah, I mean, geez, the nineteen seventies, the the decline, yeah. the, you know, the first you know cracks in the in the 
uh, facade of this of this American superpower yeah. economy, and and you know you, you start to see that long, steady, slow, arduous decline uh, of uh, American supremacy, literally around the world, that had existed since the end of World War II, uh, and we're still struggling with that oh, today. Yeah. Uh, you know, the '70s. <laughs> You know, and not to mention the fashion, but man, oh. that was just, just horrible. Well, so. see, growing up, I, I grew up, I grew up in, I was born in 86, so I tend to think <laughs> oh, of my, geez. I know, I, 86, yeah. I don't, so I tend to think of the 90s as sort of the, the late 90s and then I guess some of the early 2000s yeah. as sort of the form, formative mm-hmm. uh, generation on my history. And I don't, sure. I think people sort of look back at the 90s right now with sort of like a rose-colored glass. It seems to be I'll, a pretty... I, I will admit I'm, I'm guilty of that as well. Yeah. You know, if, if I had to go back to a time in my life where um, where things just seemed to be clicking, uh, it, yeah, and and I mean they're very good today. Oh yeah, but you know the the nineteen nineties, uh, you know especially before kids. <laughs> I love my boys, but uh, you know, um, you know it, it, you know you're, you know my wife and I were both yeah. college graduates. We were both gainfully employed. Yeah. You know we we had all of this potential in front of us. We didn't have the dark specter of of nine eleven yeah. hanging over. You know, and informing pretty much everything that we yeah, did. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was you know, it was this this halcyon time. But but again, um, yeah. Brian, I feel like we could go for a long time sure. on this, but I do want to get into a couple things about uh, the about the history center in general because I did write oh, a bunch yeah. of stuff down here for you. <laughs> so I saw that you guys uh, you you did your two uh, your 2018 historical Hall of Fame and living legends inductees, uh, and I won't go through the entire list. People can go to the website uh, UnitedCountyHistory.org and read right. up on everybody because yeah. it's really great. But I'm sort of curious, what's that sort of process look like? How do you guys determine like who's going to be in the Hall of Fame? We do not have a written criteria for really? the Hall of mm. Fame or for Living Legends. Mm. Um, the general expectation is that people who are inducted, uh, I mean, anybody can be mm. nominated, but the people who are inducted are people whose um, activities achievements or contributions to the community have either reflected positive credit upon the uh, Oneida County and the greater Mohawk Valley or have made this region a better place to live for its citizens. That's about as hard of a criteria as as we have. Yeah. And and you know that opens us up to a lot of people who uh, you know business leaders, uh, humanitarians, um, you know uh, uh, athletic figures, you know pe- people who have somehow uh, when you look at the history of the Mohawk Valley and, and, you, and you ask, you know, what's great about this place? You know, what did this place ever do? You can look to these people mm-hmm. and you can say, this is what we produced. Mm-hmm. This is how our region came to be and why people still want to be here. Uh, I'm just going to read off a few things. So you guys have by uh, you have a 5,000 square foot gallery, multiple exhibits running concurrently. Yes. Uh, admission is free and open to the general public. However, donations are strongly encouraged, which is pretty common with most oh, museums yeah. over yep. the years. Yep. Yep. Uh, you did mention uh, you guys have membership packages available. We sure do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, we have uh, any anywhere from 400 to 440 mm-hmm. members at any any time during the year. Yeah. Um, an individual membership is forty dollars. A family membership is seventy. Uh, and then we have corporate memberships. Uh, we do offer lifetime memberships as well. Um, people will get a, a newsletter four times a year, and we try to uh, put as much historical content into the newsletters, not just administrative news for the for the center. Uh, four times a year, ten percent discount in our bookstore, nice. and um, uh, discounts on tickets to like the Hall of Fame and Living Legends mm-hmm. dinner. 
And uh, there's, there's other benefits. Free use of our research library. Normally there's a $5 fee if someone wants to come in and use the, the library. That's waived for our members. Discounts on photocopies. So it's, it's a way for people to invest in uh, not only the Oneida County History Center, but in helping to preserve and promote the area's heritage. A uh, couple of upcoming events I wanted to mention. Uh, so Saturday, February uh, 16th at 1 p.m., you guys are doing the Grover Cleveland and the Clinton Centennial. Mm -hmm. uh, Grover Cleveland living in Fayetteville, Clinton, which I did not know that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, and then Saturday, February 23rd, you guys are doing at 1, at 1 p.m., Lucky You, Lucky USA, Uica in the 1950s, which sounds really cool, by the way. Yep, yep. That's, uh, yeah, Roger Pataki's uh, mm. book on, uh, on Utica in the 50s. And that that's a pretty uh, popular topic. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just about anything that we've done. You know, we, we've... Produced puzzles that uh, are our street scenes of Utica mm -hmm. in the 1940s oh, and 50s. Nice. They sell great. Our books do. Uh, this this book uh, written by by Roger is the the mm -hmm. latest in that mm -hmm. um, uh, in that line. So he's going to come in to talk about it. Uh, you have a lot of other events coming up. March 9th, the DAR Good Citizens Award. Uh, also uh, March 9th, uh, the YWCA Mohawk Valley. Uh, March 16th, Irish Tea Fundraiser. Mm -hmm. uh, Saturday, March 13th, Greater Utica Chamber of Commerce Business After Hours. Yep. And then, of course, Tuesday, March 21st from 6.30 to 8 p.m., uh, the OCHC Telethon, yeah. which I'm sure you guys are getting very excited for. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Yep. I, uh, I, I can't leave, uh, leave the conversation about programming without recognizing our, our community outreach coordinator. Sure, of course, absolutely. Uh, Rebecca McLean has mm. been with us Great. about three years. And uh, she's the one who is responsible for lining up the vast majority of our public programming. Oh, nice. And, uh, and advertising mm -hmm. it via social media and our traditional media channels as well. So she, she's uh, just so she, Does she run the social media stuff as well? She does. I was going to say, because yeah. you guys do have a really nice... I think that's sort of important, too, for uh, organizations yeah. like uh, historical societies and history yeah. centers to sort of have an active social media presence, which yeah. I don't think was something that most businesses thought no. about 10 years ago, right? Well, and, well that, that's about the time that I started. I, I started our Facebook yeah. page, mm. and I was thinking when, yeah, I mean, Facebook was growing by leaps and bounds. Sure. like, man, you know, if we yeah. reach 500 sure. followers, this is going to be incredible. For all the controversy that Facebook uh, rightfully has taken upon itself for these yeah. actions, I think it's it's wild that it's become such a part of people's lives that people still use it every day despite all the things that are going yeah. on. That's how... Yeah much it's impacted our lives yeah well it's it's just like any other piece of technology it mm -hmm. you know it's it's a tool and and its benefit or its drawback is is how you use mm -hmm. it uh i'm I, I am still, I am amazed. We have almost 6,000 Facebook followers. <laughs> you know, we're a county historical society. You know, we've got, you know, I, I was thinking 1,000 would be out of, oh, out yeah. of reach. And, and here we are, thanks to uh, Rebecca's work and the work of some of our fantastic volunteers helping, with, um, uh, helping to post photographs out there from our collection and, and other documents. You know, we've amassed this, this huge following. Brian, I've kept you much, much longer than I told you I was going to, so I do apologize for that. Before we go to our lightning round questions, I just want to say people can follow you on uh, OCHC Tweets on Twitter. You guys are on Instagram. You're on Facebook. Yes. Uh, the website is OneidaCountyHistory.org. So check out uh, their website with all the... I found all the events on there. You can yeah. go dig through all the details. I won't uh, go through everything right here. Uh, but again, uh, I want to thank you for spending time with us today. Please. Are you ready? For some lightning round questions. I'm ready. Uh, Brian J. Howard, Executive Director of Oneida County uh, History Center. Uh, these are the same six questions we ask everybody who comes on the show, starting with this one. Uh, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? Um, half and half. Half and half. So not no a black sugar. coffee. No, not a black coffee, man. No, no. We've had a good run of black coffee only people, yeah. and it makes me feel like upset about myself because yep. I've never been able to fully yep. commit to black coffee. I've, I've, I've sworn off the sugar in the morning, but yeah, i got to have the half and half in there. 
That's fair. It's a little. It's a little more palatable. I think sometimes when people like yep. my stomach gets rough if I drink too much. If yep. I drink like a hard cup of black coffee yep. after a while. Same here. <laughs> Although I have this, I, my buddy bought me coffee. Mm-hmm. It's a strong flavored coffee. Uh-huh. I'm not sure how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm good with just. Just good with plain <laughs> coffee and half and half. That that gets me going in the morning. Uh, what was your first automobile? Oh, geez. Um, the first one I drove was a 1984 Ford Escort Wagon. Escort Wagon. The nice. first one I owned was much cooler. It was a 1978 Camaro. Ooh, 78 yes. Camaro. That must yeah. have been uh, that might have been that must uh, have been quite the ride. Well, it, it was it was good, but it, it was during uh, the the uh, it was produced during the uh, fuel economy era, so mm. it was a beast. It was oh, yeah. like 150 horsepower engine. It was it was nothing, but it was a Camaro, and I was a teenager, and it was oh, great. Yeah. You may or may not have taken your 78 Camaro to see it. What was your first live music event? Oh, man. Um, the first one I went to that uh, family didn't take me to was Aerosmith and Dokken. Dokken? Yes. Wow. <laughs> at, at the Memorial Auditorium in nice. 1987. Aerosmith in 87 might have been... It was right after show. right after Permanent Vacation was released, mm. and that had a number of uh, you know, "Dude Looks Like a Lady" was one was oh, yeah, yeah. the big single, and and Ragdoll and a couple others. So it was right after Permanent Vacation came out that we went to see them. Aerosmith, one of your big bands, or uh, yeah, I've, I've seen them twice, nice. and uh, yeah, their uh, 1975 al- album uh, "Toys in the Attic" is still one of my favorite albums. I was uh, I remember growing up like my my parents were mostly. My stepdad particularly was a huge Beatles fan. Like all oh, the time, yeah. it was always the Beatles. And I yep. and I I sort of say like if you tell people the Beatles are your favorite band, it's uh-huh. like saying yeah. that like Citizen Kane's your favorite. Band. Like, yeah. Okay, yeah. what else do you like? Uh-huh. Tell me something else yeah. you like. But uh, yeah. I always think that like getting a good basis for like rock and roll and pop music early was helpful for me. Like yep. accepting stuff. I think yep. Pearl Jam was the first like classic rocky rock and roll band that really yep. like. And tell you, I, I growing up in the 1980s, I really didn't like 1980s music at all. Mm. I was about the only person in my high school yeah. that I remember that listened to classic rock. Mm. I mean, my my album, you know, vinyl album collection. Oh. Um, I, mean, <laughs> I got was, some was, vinyl, was, yeah, uh, full of, of Beatles, uh, Rolling Stones, mm. Who, um, Led Zeppelin, Who, uh, yeah, and and I still mm. listen to it today. When I read uh, Eddie Vedder's biography, he mm-hmm. talked a lot about the. Who was actually the band, like the classic rock band that yeah. they sort of most sort of um, yeah. agreed with in the way that like they didn't really care mm-hmm. as much about like Zeppelin or those other bands, but the oh, Who yeah. sort of had yeah, that that, that, that kind of. And I always yeah. I always make that connection now between Pearl Jam and the Who for whatever reason. I, I well, and 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 that's why I I, I love '90s grunge also. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, Stone Temple Pilots yes. uh, for me. I mean, we talk, yeah, we yeah, 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 yeah. Speaking of concerts, I saw uh, Scott Wyland down oh, here. No. What was it four four years yeah. ago? Not not long before he before he died. Oh. But um, uh, you know, the the coming of the the grunge era uh, just just shattered the hairband era. Oh yeah, and yeah. and you know, I'm I'm still thankful for that. <laughs> uh, so the question I gave you earlier. Uh, uh, if you got dinner with any person, living or dead, who is not your family, who would it be and why? Oh, man. Um, I'm still thinking about it. Uh, George Washington would be one. Washington. Um, yeah. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Barack Obama. Love to talk to Barack Obama. You know, you know, I mean, the, um, you know, I, I, I think with, with George Washington, I would, mm-hmm. I, I would say, well, what do you think? You know, how, how, to, how to work out? Um, you know, Martin Luther King, I guess I would ask him the, the same question. And, and uh, uh, Barack Obama, it just seems like the like a guy you'd love to have a beer with. For Obama, I think, for a guy in my age range, I think Obama was the first politician that I was 
really like, oh my God, this guy. This yeah. is the person who, like, where yeah. was this guy all along, right? Yeah. Even, yeah. you know, in 2008, 2008, I remember, you know, yeah. there was the talk and it seemed like it was going to be the Hillary and yeah. the Hillary year that first time. And yeah. it, that, it was a force of personality, like, like yeah. nothing I had ever seen before in politics well, at that point in time, and I just well, you know, I I recognize that you know, anytime you talk politics, yeah. you know, you're going to have the you know, modern politics, you're going to have you have polarization. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, to to deal with the challenges that he had to to deal with a, a Congress that that just just laid down and 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 you know, by their yeah. own admission, uh, resisted uh, pretty much any. Uh, any attempt that, that he made to implement policy, yeah. uh, to to handle the challenges that that he did with um, the with, with the class that he mm. did, uh, and not to mention uh, it was his administration that took out Bin Laden, which yeah, is exactly. fine with me. So um, yeah, I, I find him a fascinating mm. character. Uh, give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Oh, geez. Uh, well, right now in my car, speaking of classic rock, mm. I've got uh, Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road yes. in the, in the CD well. player. Yep. <laughs> Under, yep. You know, I yeah. actually, it's funny too because I grew up as a Billy Joel guy. Uh -huh. My mom loved Billy Joel. And I think it's one of those weird things. Like, I grew up thinking, for whatever reason, that you couldn't like one or, like, you couldn't yeah. like Billy Joel yeah, and only Elton one piano only man. one, right? Yeah. Like, couldn't yeah. be the Rolling Stones or the Beatles. It's yeah. got to be one. I don't know yeah. why that... It was in yeah. my head, but yeah. I think well, I slept on Elton John for many years because I was like, oh, I'm a Joel guy, I can't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of concerts, I, I saw him at the Saratoga Performing Arts Center mm. in 1989. Mm. And um, he, no opening act, three hours, and at one point his band walks off the stage, and, and it seemed to be about 30 to 40 minutes. Yeah. It was just him and his piano. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's like... The, you know, the, the consummate performer, I mean, his you know his personal life has been sure. a, a, a wreck, you know, depending on what, what time period we're talking yeah, yeah. about. Um, and he does not look at all like, uh, you know, what you would expect a, a rock star to be, but man, that guy Charisma. is... Yeah, yeah, and, and like I said, I've got that in my car right now. Awesome. And uh, besides classic rock, besides history, besides 78 Camaros, uh, <laughs> Brian J. Howard, Executive Director of Nutter County History Center, give me one more thing that you are passionate about. Um, uh, endurance racing. Um, I saw a little bit of this on your on your Facebook page. I was going to yeah. ask you. I see you do like triathlons and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I, um, uh, I got into this. Uh, I've, I've always been physically active, sure. but got into uh, uh, triathlon about six years ago. Awesome. And, um, and steadily worked my way up. Some people will, will get into it and they'll sign up immediately for the, the pinnacle, which is a, an Ironman. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I did a bunch of short distance races mm -hmm. in 2013, 14, and 15. Uh, and I, I finished Ironman Lake Placid last summer. Uh, and you know, in, in, in a lot of ways, it's an incredibly selfish activity because you dedicate so much time to it. Yeah. Um, but it's important you know, to have something to dedicate yourself to. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not just and work or fail. You have to have yeah. something else out there to, to get yeah. you inspired. That's that that's that's my release. Yeah. And um, and to to be able to focus on something, especially at my age, a, a physical uh, achievement that is is you know on the surface so incredibly daunting and to you know the people that i've gotten to meet you know i have friends up here in utica new hartford that i never would have met uh had i not gotten involved in this i have friends down in in the sherburne norwich area whom i'm getting together with a little later on today Beautiful. um you know through uh through road racing uh triathlon biking um it's it's uh, uh, uh constant companion of mine, a frequent hobby, something that as long as I'm healthy, um, I, I hope to continue. I, I love it. 
Uh, Brian, this was a great pleasure. I want to thank you so much for joining us. I'm sorry it took this long for you to, to, to yeah. us to get you on. It's all right. So. Uh, and we'll do our best to make sure that the best kept secret is not as much of a secret. I'd appreciate it. Thank Thanks, you very Sam. much, Brian. Right. Uh, folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. Brian J. Howard. Uh, you can follow them on social media at OCHC Tweets on Twitter. They're at uh, UnitedCountyHistory.org. They're at uh, OCHC on Instagram. They're all over the place. I'll, I'll link everything afterwards. And we did talk a lot about history, and we're already later in the day than I'd like it to be. So I'm going to skim very quickly through our own personal history lessons for your guys' sake. Is this lessons about our personal history? Yeah. Uh, no, like the show's personal history lessons. Interesting. Uh, and again, I'll just blast through them real quick. Uh, on this day, 1990, uh, James Buster Douglas knocked out Mike Tyson in Tokyo, Japan to win the world heavyweight boxing title. Uh, one of the biggest upsets of all time. I pulled a list up of some of the greatest sports upsets of all time. Uh, these are just some of the ones that made the list. 1969, the New York Jets beat the Baltimore Colts. Super Bowl three. Anyone have any thoughts on Joe Namath? No? Mm-hmm. Nothing? Great Remember? jacket. Great jacket. I always remember that video where he tried to kiss Susie Colbert on live TV and she had to pretend like it wasn't horrifying. It's good internet, good internet content. Uh, 1980, USA versus USSR, Miracle on Ice. That was one of the one of the most important American sports moments, I feel like. We just we always go back to the Miracle on Ice. Do you believe in miracles? Great sports call. Uh, Mark Douglas, Mike Tyson. Uh, Rulon Gardner defeats uh, Alexander Kirlin in the mm-hmm. 2000 Olympics. He was the wrestler. You remember Rulon Gardner? Rulon. I loved Rulon Gardner. Just a big hay throwing dude. It was great. Yeah. Uh, Appalachian State 34 over Michigan 32, 2007. This is NCAA football. This is just to remind Parkinson that it happened because he's a huge Michigan football fan. And they got beaten by Appalachian State, who, of course, uh, was a Division II team. They weren't even in the top division of football at the time. I love it. Huge embarrassment. Yeah, it's great. Uh, right after that, 2008, New York Giants defeat the New England Patriots 17-14 to in the Super Bowl. That was a good moment. Uh, and I think that's it. That's all I have uh, for that one. All right. On this day, 1977, uh, an all-black uh, cast of Guys and Dolls close on Broadway in New York City after 239 performances. This was actually the second... Broadway performance of Guys and Dolls on Broadway. It's been revived numerous times. I bring this up because, as I've mentioned, this was one of the plays I got to do in high school. I was the lead. Well, no, do you know, shout out to longtime Utica legend Dan Maycock. He was the lead. He played Sky Masterson, who was like the good guy. Mm -hmm. My name was Nathan Detroit, and I was a gambler. And I had to do this voice the whole time on stage. Hey, guys, (laughs) what are we going to do? Where are we going to have the card game? So that's. I bet they really twisted your arm. Yeah. They really. So they you're really, gonna have to do this voice. Yeah. Have you ever actually seen like the play Guys and Dolls or no. the movie? It's. No. I will say like I've seen a lot of musical theater and most people will like roll their eyes and I'm like, oh, musical theater's great. Like I love musical theater. This is a, a very entertaining show, especially the movie which has uh, Frank Sinatra, which is like the reason I wanted to do this play when I was a kid because I was still young and Italian enough where Frank Sinatra like meant something to me. <laughs> Uh, Were like, you out on Sinatra? I'm just kind of. I have different thoughts about Sinatra as I get older than I do how I did when I was younger. Interesting. Um, that's what we would have a whole Sinatra conversation. I don't know. <laughs> After show. <laughs> After show. Uh, I mean, like, look, 
I sang a lot of Sinatra growing up. Right? Like, <laughs> He's doing Sinatra. Thing. No, no, because I had to sing a lot of it growing up. Like, yeah. And I also worked in a lot of Italian restaurants. I think just after a while, you kind of like, you get burned out with anything. Right? I'm not, I don't have any in particular problem with Sinatra. It just is what it is. All right. All right. I'm real sorry. What's your favorite yeah, Sinatra song? Give me, what's your favorite Sinatra song? Um... I Strangers mean, in the Night? Besides New York, New York, After the Yankees Win. Right. Specifically. Sure, um, I've Got You Under My Skin. Got You Under My I Skin. That's a good one. What's your favorite Sinatra I song? I don't have one. Um, but I'll take that one. That's a good yeah. one. I like or Just the Way You Look Tonight, too. That's a good one. Just oh, the Way You, you Look Tonight. That's <laughs> <laughs> evening. When I was a kid, <laughs> I used to like the song Fly Me to the Moon. That's a good one. Fly, Fly Me to the Moon, moon is yeah. a good one. It's yeah. a solid one. See? A lot uh, of hits. A lot of hits. Yeah. I think Sinatra is... Take that a kick in the head. I think a lot of times with Sinatra, I just get caught up thinking about like Phil Hartman doing Frank Sinatra on Saturday Night Live. It's like I think that's like my defining. My problem with Sinatra songs for a long time was that what I thought was my favorite Sinatra. What's the song that everybody thinks is their favorite Sinatra song is actually Dean Martin. Which the, one? Um, uh, the one that's on every soundtrack. Every movie within Las Vegas. Da, 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 oh, one. ain't that a kick in the head? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's what I said. It, yeah. Ain't that a gig in the head? Yeah, it's a good. Yeah, one. everybody hears that song like, oh, Sinatra. Yeah. It's the only one. Uh, you know what else is actually? I'll take it back. My favorite Sinatra song uh, was "Summer Wind." That's the best Sinatra song. You do like "Summer, Summer Wind." "Summer Wind" is a good song. "Autumn Wind." Nah, I'm not gonna do it. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to another artist. Uh, 1982. Uh, on this day, Pink Floyd's "Dark Side of the Moon." Uh, Mark, it's 402nd week on the charts for Billboard. I thought this was an interesting stat. We won't go too far into Pink Floyd. I feel like we talk about him a lot. But as of 2008, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon has been on the charts for over 1,630 weeks, or approximately 31 years. That's crazy. That's pretty wild. You know what the number two album is? Bob Marley's Legend, which is the only album on that list that's never actually made it in the top ten, but is still somehow... Hmm. That actually... When I heard that, both those made total sense to me. I remember listening weird... to both of them, like I, in high school. Bob Marley's Legend was one of the first two albums I think I ever like owned as a child, like mm-hmm. just in terms of being recognizable. Which is funny because I barely listen to Bob Marley now as I get older. Not that I have an issue with Bob Marley, I just no, don't. I know I don't listen to him anymore. I gotta be on like a beach or something. I can't just be <laughs> listening to Bob Marley like in my house. I feel like I don't it's like cold. Hey, summertime, Sunday summertime, maybe. Yeah, yeah. If, I woke, if you woke up, it was the middle of winter, it was snowing out, and I was playing Bob Marley in the house, you wouldn't think that'd be weird? No. I think it'd be weird. No. It's not winter music. So, well, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> um, mind. All right, and then these next two history lessons just fall under a heading I'm calling Art Crimes. Uh, this one is from 2004. <laughs> uh, on this day in 2004, uh, the... 1910 painting The Scream and the painting Madonna by uh, artist Edward Munch were stolen at gunpoint from the Munch Museum in Oslo, Norway. Uh, they were uh, There was a $163,000 reward for the recovery of these paintings. Uh, they were actually only gone for about two weeks. They found them later on. I just like a good art crime. I'm surprised no one's made a movie about this. I if like there, our heists. If there was a movie about the Scream painting getting stolen from the museum and I'm not aware of it, listeners, please like let me know. I like a good art crime. <laughs> Uh, and then 2018, this isn't an art crime, I guess, I suppose, so much. This was the uh, the paintings uh, of Barack Obama and Michelle Obama were unveiled at the Smithsonian National Portrait Gallery. And um, white folks on the internet were mad. They were mad. The white folks on the internet were mad. I'll say this, though. Last year, I got to go. I go every year to the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, Portrait yeah. Gallery. I don't think that I adequately understood the size of them. They are massive, massive paintings when you get right. to see them up close. And it's really... I think that's what 
was so stunning to me when I saw them up close. I'm like, wow, it's really intense when you look at them up close. And not for nothing, when you walk through the rest of the sculpt, the, the portrait gallery, a lot of the other pictures of the presidents kind of look the same. It's yeah. like old stuffy guy in a stick in his hand in his coat. Or I, I just got to ask, what do you guys think Trump's picture is going to look like? It's not going to be there. No, it'll be. I think it'll have to be. It's look incredible. He'll be look amazing. Is he going to be like on a horse in front of an American flag, yeah. eating shirtless, a cheeseburger? Uh, like shirtless, uh, it's going to be muscular body. Oh man, uh, no, I, it won't be that far. It'll just look like he weighs like two hundred twenty pounds and like has his real hair. <laughs> yeah, it'll look skin tone. Uh, he'll look all muscular. Oh. Uh, right. So that's it. Those are history lessons uh, for this week. Um, Let's, we'll go through a couple lessons, and I have a new segment I want to do with you guys at the end, okay? Uh, so, here's another story uh, about things millennials are ruining. Uh, apparently, car dealerships. Have you guys heard that car dealerships are flush with unsold cars as sales expected to drop in 2019? Yeah. Because they're buying old car, older cars? Well, Nobody got any money. Nobody's got money. <laughs> it's actually something I've always thought about when I was a kid. Like, you drive by a car lot, right? And there's like a million cars out there. How many of those cars are just not going to get sold? How many cars get made a year that just don't, that just die on the lot? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I always think about, like, do they send them back? No, they just just get kicked down the food chain. Yeah, is that, so that, they move them down to, like, different locations, you sell them off to different, like... Yeah, you move them, like, your auction house, you move them to your online sales, you move them to your bulk mm-hmm. place, you move them down to, like, second-hand dealers, all different... And a lot of times they will know what to, how many to order and what they should have, just from... Yeah. So. Yeah. It makes sense to me that there'd be, like, a fleet... Oh, we just got in our 2009 Ford Tauruses. We got yeah. 50 of them. It's like, do you think we're going to sell 50 Ford Tauruses in this mm-hmm. year? And Probably. It's funny because we couldn't even find the color car we wanted at first. And you would have thought, oh, brand new. Wasn't well, there a reason for that, too? Like, a lot of times they have cars out there. People buy car colors that they would never buy because it's the car that's there and available. And they might yeah. cut you a deal on it, right? Yeah. Like, you got to get... Got to push the, the plum... The passion plum this month. Well, we got to get rid of them. I just assumed because it was a brand new car that I could pick any color I wanted. No, you'd think so too. Like, it it, like I always thought it was that way too. They're like, I want a neon green car. And it's like, well, we only come in three colors beige, black, silver, and red. I was like, ugh. All right. I guess you wouldn't want some wild colored car though after you initially got past the shock of it, right? It's like, I want like a. Depends. I mean, it, dep- I it depends what kind of car it is. Yeah. That's true. If I had like a you sports know, you car. You don't want like neon green, like Camry, but you got like a bright orange, like. I don't know, like kitted out Challenger. That's probably it's okay. All right. That's true. Yeah, you got like some sort of like baby blue or like Torino green, like early '60s Lincoln convertible. <laughs> Take that. That's fair. God, I can't imagine what it'll be like when I ever get enough money to go buy a new car. What a world that'll be! Like, wow, like a brand new car, not like a used car. No, it's like my some... first brand new car. This is my this one? Yeah. Uh, well, rub it in my face. I will. The payments are great. Yeah. Make it about you, Wild. Yeah, why well, I don't. <laughs> I did. I did. So no, maybe. not you. I was talking to him. Oh, yeah. Way to run that. Swinging right back around. So here we go. Uh, another story this week. Uh, this, uh, let me know if this is a job you guys are interested in. Netflix is hiring binge watchers to rate shows and movies. No. Uh, hiring people to view the massive amount of content they are dumping onto the streaming platform each month, and the person could be you with the title of editorial analyst searching for people to view new content. Uh, and write short analysis about what they watched. Uh, I feel like this again. It sounds better than it probably is because you no, got to you gotta watch all their crap yeah, original content. You wouldn't get a choice. It's not. It's not like you're watching episodes of The Office like masterful. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Excellent work. I love yeah, it. They don't need more people to watch Friends and Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you're gonna be watching all the, that the stuff. You know all those junk trailers you get every time you turn it on for some garbage. You're only gonna read the name of. Yes. You know it's. Junk, you know, <laughs> that's the stuff. 
Uh, yeah, no, you're That's right. That's what you're yeah. really watching. I'd end up watching all sorts of crap. That's true. Yeah. It's so it sounds better than it really is. Although I do think if someone said, "Here's some money to watch a television show," it's still probably better than any other job. I yeah. could theoretically, theoretically, right? All right. Uh, the new emojis are coming out this week, this month, and finally, there's a period themed emoji. Are you excited for the period yeah. emoji, Heather? Bring it on. I feel like I can't ask Kevin or myself because I have no use for I, a period <laughs> emoji. Uh, well, all I need to do is put that emoji down, and people will know not the better. That's true. Yeah, leave me be. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's going on. Uh, and then I also I put this one out here for you, Heather. Just was a last week we talked about how there were all these different uh, communities of vaccinators that were popping up, like these measles outbreaks okay. were happening. Okay. Uh, this is a recap from that story from okay. last week, apparently. Uh, a community, uh, a heavy community of anti-vacciners uh, had a 500% increase in vaccinations this week after a measles outbreak. Well, there you so go. apparently all it takes <laughs> to get people back on the vaccinations thing is a measles outbreak. Then all of a sudden people are people are back in on it. I just think that's so damn funny to me. I, I don't know. That's it. I just thought it was clever. Um, you just got so much time on their hands. That's the problem. That is the problem. No, it's true, and I feel like every, uh, I feel like that's the shame, though, that that's what it has to take for people to, like, realize that they made a mistake, right? It has to go all the way to, like, moving beyond, like, what people tell you and, like, facts and being like, it no, comes, I'm, yeah. you finally have to actually have, like, measles outbreak. People be like, all right, maybe, maybe I should back off on this. I don't know. All right, so let's get it. I wanted to talk about this firsthand. Uh, like I said last week, I've been trying to watch more movies. More movies. Uh, so I watched the movie Annihilation last week, and I made a big spiel about it here on the podcast. Uh, so Heather, you went out and watched Annihilation yeah, like, last yeah, week. Like, yeah, and what did you think of it? That's weird. You did not like I it, you told me. I didn't me. like it. It wasn't good, but at the same time, I couldn't stop thinking about it <laughs> okay, for like so, probably four or five days. Interesting. Like, yeah. So uh, so I was thinking that from now on, when we, if I start watching more movies, I'm going to save about five minutes at the end of the podcast for us to talk about movies and make that more of a regular thing. So so there you go. So that was, do you have any more takes about Annihilation no, besides I'm the fact you're trying to figure it out. Did you like it? I don't know. You're not, <laughs> you yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was really, it was weird and I didn't like it, but I did, but I want to know more, but they're not going to tell you anymore and... And then I was mad about the ending. I don't, I don't know. Well, what's interesting about that movie, I think, too, is it's based on a, a book series. But the movie itself is very disconnected from the books. So it doesn't seem like they're going to continue making more he movies. Said he, they said they're not making any more. Yeah, so it doesn't seem like you're going to get any mad. more answers than what you get. So I think it does sort of just exist as this weird yeah, one-off Yeah, it's like watching movie. your favorite TV show and then saying they're not coming back. Because mm-hmm. you never got, like, an ending. Yeah, an unsatisfied yeah, ending. I just, I'm mad. Uh, Kevin, we, I watched a movie that you told me to watch this week. You've been getting on me for two months to watch the movie Hereditary. Please, you yes. watched that movie? Yeah, oh. I, I finally watched, watched it. it. Did you? I finally watched it. Uh, oh, man. Um, so first off, <laughs> let, me say, let me say a few things. Um, I don't tend to get, like, scared in movies, like jump scares, screaming, like, oh, my God, right? Like, the most I usually react is, like, oh, gosh, right? I'll put my hand in my mouth. Did that about seven times during the course of the movie, where I was sitting there, sort of watching it with my hand over my mouth, like, what? What? And it's a very well-made movie, and it's shot beautifully, and the acting is really great. Tony Collette should win. And I'm surprised that she's not nominated for some sort of award for this. Academy or, got no respect for the horror genre. I think that's a really big part of it, because if you take away some of the more unsavory, like, horror movie elements of this, and there so are some... If you took if you took away some of the more um, somewhat supernatural, we'll say, elements... Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, like, her performance is jarring, and it's amazing, and she really pours all of it into into the... It's, she's excellent in it. If yeah. you watch it for one, one thing only, and you should, there's a lot of good things about it. Tony Collette's amazing. That being said, it's not the movie I thought it was going to be 
and I, I think that is a problem that, that the movie did have when it came out. I think it's not the movie. I think people were expecting more of like a straight on horror movie. That's what I'm expecting. It's no, not that. It's not what it something is. very different. It almost people were making this comparison. At one time in the movie, it almost felt like a family drama and less about like a horror movie. It like, is in many many ways yeah. a family drama. Yeah, it just uh, happens. but like horrible horrible traumatic drama. Yeah, yeah, you know it's, what I mean? that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a good movie. If you have the stomach for something that is, again, it'll probably stick in your mind after it's over. You will probably think about it after you for finish watching sure. it. Yeah. Uh, but if you like those kind of movies and you haven't seen it yet, it's it's very good. And then finally, for a little palate cleanser this week, <laughs> Kevin and I pounded out a uh, HBO movie we watched called Rampage, starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson and CGI C- monkeys. Yeah, CGI monkeys and dinosaurs. It's it was. <laughs> I was. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. It, I like it's, bad movies. It's that. Really it's do. exactly what you think. I like it is, movies yeah. like. Can I bad tell you movies. what though? I'll say this. I kind of wanted it to be either worse or more self-aware, and it was neither. It wasn't as. <laughs> it was like almost self-aware enough. Almost. 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 Yeah. It almost needed to lean farther into it, into like taking itself seriously and winking at the audience. Or being not funny at all and being a serious movie, Taking which itself yeah, it's it never could really figure out what kind of movie it was. It didn't look, I don't know. I would have preferred if it was worse and funnier. Okay. I almost feel like, and The Rock really didn't have as much to do as I would have expected The Rock to do. He had a couple like funny Rock moments, but that was that was about it. I guess I shouldn't call him The Rock anymore, right? That's call him Dwayne Johnson. No, that's The Rock. Yeah. So there you go. Any movies you guys want us to watch before next week? I'll try and watch something. I'm Kevin's been telling me to watch Arrival. That's the next movie. I'm oh, thinking. I want to see that. Yeah, one. you got to watch Arrival. You got to watch Game Night. That. Everybody's got to watch Game Night. Yeah, I might have to watch Game Night and Tag over this week because mm-hmm. Parkinson has really been asking me to watch the movie Tag. And you watch the new show, watch College Friends. That's College like, Friends on Netflix. Oh, I heard that's that's hysterical. Good. It's you would think it's gonna be like one of these like kind of like drama shows, but it's actually very funny. So like, hang on, I'm gonna write this down. So Tag, Game Night. What would you say the name was? College, College Friends? Friends. Uh, College Friends. It's great. It's really good. And that's Netflix. And I also want to watch that Russian Doll show on Netflix, which I've heard is good. Oh, I started watching that. Did you like Two it? Two episodes, and yeah, it's pretty good. All right. So I got I got some stuff to do this week yeah, when I have when I have some things to watch. All right. Uh, thank you again to Brian J. Howard, Nida County History Center, for joining us this week. Uh, it was a great pleasure talking to him. Uh, thank you to Heather. Follow Heather on Twitter at HeatherWaz1. Uh, follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan. I'm sorry we held you up from your brother's birthday party. Tell him happy birthday. Obviously, from all of us, we love him. Great friend of the show. Great friend of us in real life. Yes. Yeah, great human being. <laughs> Indeed. One yeah. of the best. One of the best. Uh, follow me at the show, SF Doom, or just don't follow Uticast at Uticast on Twitter. We are on Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts. We're taking over the web. Uh, sign our human legs. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Uh, I guess I, I guess I'll watch some of the Grammys tonight. I'm going to watch. Dude, you watch you're going to watch the whole thing. I, I really don't know. I don't see Miley Cyrus. Is she? Oh, she on? Yeah. I'll watch Miley. I like Miley. All right. I'm going to watch Miley. Oh, 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 oh,